In Genesis 32, you find Jacob in a deep predicament. His uncle slash father-in-law was pursuing him from behind, and he was after him. His brother Esau, whom 20 years earlier vowed to kill Jacob, <laughs> heading toward him. I mean, think about this. This is not between the rock and the hard place. This is like this. I mean, the rock coming right in front of you and the hard place behind you. This is what you call, beloved friends, heads you lose, tails you lose. There is no way out. His uncle behind him, he wants to dominate him. His brother in front of him, he wanted to kill him. Or at least that's what Jacob thought. That's exactly what he thought. This is something was in his head, and he believed it. Even though his fears were not based on facts, even though his fears were based on conjecture, even though his fears were based not on reality, but he believed it. This is what he thought. This is what he anticipated in his head. So look closely at this very exciting episode in Jacob's life. If you review the situation, you find, of course, here in verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 32, Jacob sees an angel of the Lord going before him. But that was not enough, because there's more. In the past 20 years, he has seen the hand of God working in him. Specifically, the last six years, God blessed him out of his socks in ways he could never have anticipated. Twenty years earlier, he saw a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ and a ladder going from earth to heaven, and the angels ascending and descending. That's why he called it, this is the house of God, Bethel. But way, 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 way back before he was born, God gave an oracle to his mother that descendant of the Messiah is going to come through his line, not his brother Esau. Twenty years earlier, he saw a vision. God fulfilled his promises. He blessed him. He left a solitary man, and he says this in verse 10, but now I become two armies. God promised Jacob that he will be the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with his grandpa Abraham. And yet, of all these facts, with all this knowledge, with all those realities, at a moment of panic and fear, Jacob forgets all that. Have you been there too? I mean, you look back and how God blessed you, how God protected you, how God did things for you, and you were overwhelmed. But then, a moment of fear, a moment of panic, and all that is forgotten. (laughs) Think about this apparent crisis, and I call it apparent because it's not really a crisis. It's an apparent crisis. And before you condemn Jacob, I want to tell you that we all, every one of us, including your pastor, are prone to do just this. In a moment of fear, in a moment of panic, in a moment of crisis, all of the past intervention of God is obliterated from our memory. And I dare say, that what Jacob did is what we often do. We go into a panic mode. (laughs) We start planning and start strategizing and start scheming. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of that? How am I going to do this? I have to deal with this crisis, and I need to do it now. Even if the facts are not all in, even if the facts are not all proven that this is real crisis. Oh, 
but some rumor, hearsay, false information, some misunderstanding, we plunge into a survival mode, and we begin our own wild schemes. Verse 9, Jacob sends one telegraphic prayer, and he's not really sure if God is going to answer. He's not really sure yet. He just sends it fast and hopes for the best. So he asks himself, what do I remember about my brother Esau? It's been 20 years since I saw him, but I do remember some things about him. What do I remember about him? What about his character? What kind of a person he is? Ah, I remember. (laughs) He is greedy and covetous. He is into instant gratification. I mean, he sold me his birthright for a bowl of soup. (laughs) He wants to satisfy his ferocious appetite. I know what to do. I feed his greed. (laughs) I feed his covetousness. I'm going to send him stuff. You know what I mean by stuff? We're always buying stuff. We're always getting stuff. Let me send him all sorts of stuff and hope that he likes one or two or more of the others. In a state of panic, he tries to buy his brother off. My precious brothers and sisters, what Jacob did not realize was that God had already heard and answered his prayer. And he's answering them in ways that he could never imagine. Can you put up with me for just a few minutes? I want to testify to the Lord today. I want to testify that the times in my life when I prayed for big things from God, things that to do with the glory of God, things that to do with the kingdom of God, things that to do with the work of God, God never answered my prayer as I prayed them. As I prayed them. Indeed, He answered them exceedingly abundantly and above what I could have thought. This is the story of my life. It's my testimony to the Lord because of the nature of our God. Always God answers exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can imagine. This is my testimony for nearly seven decades. Look at Jacob's closely, please, with me. God did not only prepare his brother Esau's heart and cause him to repent and to forgive his brother Jacob. But God himself showed up. Be very careful when you pray a prayer like this, because God is going to show up. And don't miss him when he shows up. Don't miss him. Esau is sending 400-man army not to kill his brother Jacob, but as a welcoming committee. How do you like them apples? (laughs) I wonder how many of us, in our scheming, we become so possessed with our own negative emotions, our own negative imagination, and we think the worst. Now, with this brief introduction, let me get to the message. (laughs) I want to share with you four thoughts that whenever you find yourself at the horns of a dilemma, ask yourself that question. First of all, find out what causes you to tremble. Secondly, understand the necessity of wrestling. And thirdly, discover 
the blessing of clinging. And fourthly, experience the power of limping. They will make sense in a minute, okay? Find out what is causing you to tremble. You're facing a problem, real or imaginary. It's in your mind or it's not. It doesn't matter. Most often, what causes us fear, what causes us to tremble, not even real. Most often. Most of it is in our own imagination. Most of it based on half-truths. Most of it is not even factual. But be that as it may, I'm going to take it for granted that it is real. When Jacob heard that Esau is coming to meet him with 400-man army, he panicked. He became a panic-stricken man. After all, why in the world would Esau be coming out to meet him with that many people? This is the very man 20 years earlier said, I'm going to kill you. And Jacob trembled and shook. That's what the literal word. He was trembling. He was shaking all night long. He was trembling. Over what? Erroneous information. Wild imagination. And wrong contemplation. Now, beloved, the Bible paints a picture here of a man who is severely agitated. I mean, he was so agitated in the darkness of night. I think most of us know how hard and tough things are at the dark night of our soul. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nights, particularly in the desert when there's no moon, it's very dark. It's pitch black. No work that can be done, so it takes your mind off your problem. The only thing you see at night is your wild and bizarre imagination. Jacob was sleepless. He can't sleep. He's tossing and turning. He's restless. Every time an animal makes a noise, he starts singing, Nearer my God to thee. (laughs) Every time he hears an unusual sound, he probably is reciting the Lord's Prayer. Now, he didn't, but you do. Which brings me, secondly, to the necessity of wrestling with God. I'm going to explain that to you because a lot of people misunderstand that part. I want to explain it very carefully. Verses 9 to 12. And Jacob cries out to the Lord, and he says, Oh, Lord, my God, deliver me. My beloved friends, I hope you know what you're saying when you pray a prayer like this. Because you might be praying for something, but then you discover that the Lord himself shows up, and he's right there. In the midst of fear and terror, Jacob cries to the Lord, and the Lord shows up in person. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Lord shows up to bless Jacob. That's really the purpose of coming, of showing up. He was to bless Jacob. But, here's the big but, before he could bless Jacob, he needed Jacob to surrender. In the middle of the darkness, the pre-incarnate Christ appears to Jacob. Now, some of you know this. Some of you may not know that in the Old Testament, the Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ appeared many times. He appeared to Abraham. He appeared many times. The theologians have a big word for it. They call it theophany. Can you say theophany? Now you pass first year of seminary. Here's something else I don't want you to miss. Because many of the Bible and, and the wording and the translation says that Jacob 
was wrestling with God. You got it? You see it in the Bible? And many a preacher through the years I've heard, they said, oh, Jacob wrestled with God. You must wrestle with God until God answers you. You must do this and you must do that. No, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> the Lord did not show up so that He may give Jacob an opportunity to wrestle with Him. Are you with me? The Lord was not really looking for a wrestling match. The Lord showed up so that He may wrestle with Jacob rather than the other way around. It is true that Jacob asked for a blessing, but he would not get it until he surrendered. It was God who showed up to bring Jacob to the point of surrender, because he was not going to get that blessing until he surrendered. In the end, he wanted it, and yes, he received it, but God waited until he surrendered. Beloved, God will wrestle with his beloved child until that child surrender. He may be wrestling with you right now. When you and I persist in our stubbornness, when you and I persist in our disobedience, when you and I persist on going our own way, God does not give up and says, oh, what can I do? I can't get her attention. I can't get him to listen. I give up. No, 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 no. God does not give up on His children. He'll give up on the devil's children. He'll never give up on His own children. God will pursue His own children until He gets them. Beloved, the Bible is filled with paradoxes. This is a paradox. Just as the camel cannot receive goods until he kneels. It's too high. And I'm going to explain to you, this is really the root of the Hebrew word. The word barakah means a blessing. It has its root in the word of kneeling, barak. A camel has to get down on all four in order for the blessing to be loaded on top of him. In the same way, God will not bless the non-surrendered. There can be no real blessings without surrender. There can be no true success. Oh, there may be worldly success. I'm talking about true success without submission. There can be no true victory without relinquishing control. There can be no effectiveness, true effectiveness for God without yielding. There can be no great power without obedience. Find what causes you to tremble. Understand the necessity of God wrestling with you. Experience a blessing of clinging. Jacob kept up the struggle till daybreak. He was not about to surrender. If you think it's easy, you have not been there. He stubbornly held on. He wanted the blessings from the Lord, but the Lord would not give him the blessing until he surrendered. And because the Lord did not want Jacob to see his face, he was about to leave without blessing him because Jacob would not surrender. Beloved, I personally believe that Jacob knew why the Lord is wrestling with him. It's for his good. It's for his good. And so he clung on to the Lord, what the Lord wanted of his chosen vessels, all his chosen vessels. What he wants from them is to learn, just as he wanted Jacob to learn that all of his past striving 
and all of his past struggling, all of his past scheming, all of his past maneuvering and manipulating, all the stuff that he has been doing did not really bring him a real blessing. But now he must struggle against the Lord and lose. See, that's the purpose of wrestling. God does not come here just to have a wrestling match. He wants us to lose. Some of you know this. I have wrestled with God many times. I still wrestle with God. There's so many things in my life I still want to lose to the Lord. Haven't lost yet. In the big issues of life, I struggled with the Lord at least three big times in my life. Each time I struggled with the Lord until I lost, and He won. Oh, what a beautiful and joyful loss that was. (laughs) Every time I lose to God and I surrender, I receive untold blessings. Untold. I cannot even verbalize them. One time the Lord wrestled with me when I was trying to run away from Him. I lost, He won, and my life was saved. When God wrestled with me regarding the birthing of this church, it took two years. I lost, God won, and thousands of lives around the world has been impacted for Christ. God is wrestling with some of you right now. You know who you are. He's wrestling with some of you, and you're not giving up that easily. Whether it is over a sin in your life, or whether it is over a relationship that He wants you to give up, or whether it is your determination to go it your way, or whether it is a direction that the Lord does not want you to go, I promise you, your blessing and possibly your life is dependent on your losing and God winning. You know, sometimes I hear people in the secular media, and even some in what I call the apostate church, people who deny the gospel altogether. They call those of us who are Bible-believing Christians. They call us losers. Have you ever heard that? I heard it many times. And I know that some apologists and others who have wanted to go and defend themselves and bent out of shape and said, well, we're not losers, we're not losers. I said, stop. Of course we are. (laughs) We are losers. Are you kidding me? We are joyful losers. We're delighted losers. I am truly proud to be a loser to God. No the cause of your trembling. Understand the necessity of wrestling. Experience the blessing of clinging. Finally, welcome the power of limping. The last thing that you see here in Genesis 32 is dear old Jacob limping his way over to meet with his brother Esau. He was limping. It's not all that bad. Not all limping is bad. I call this as a power limp. (laughs) It is the limp that says, I am decreasing and God is increasing. It is the limp that says, I am walking not in my own strength anymore. It is the limp that says, I am no longer Jacob, I am Israel. And the word Israel means God rules, or God commands, or God prevails more accurately. Just like the other names, Daniel, Daniel means God judges, or Samuel, Samuel 
God hears Israel. God prevails. God prevails. He's no longer a grabber, Jacob, but he, God prevails. Jacob lost, and he began to experience true success. Beloved, let's be honest with each other. The world, the world outside will never understand. They will never understand until they come to Christ. They will never understand that for us believers in the Lord Jesus, our success is in losing to the Lord. Our victory is in surrendering to the Lord. Our blessing is in submission to the Lord. For years, Jacob contented and cheated and his father and tried to cheat his brother and tried to scheme and maneuver and didn't go very far. God said, from your loins, my Messiah is going to come. From your seed, Jesus, the Messiah, will be born. And therefore, you have to lose so that God might win. Now, I'm not saying that any of us in, in this kind of a situation now, but you are a beloved child of God. Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you so dearly. And He wants you to surrender because He wants to bless you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because here he is, Jacob, 20 years later. He was still terrified of his brother Esau. He's not living in victory, despite of the fact that he was successful, worldly standards and everything else. He was still living in fear, not in victory. Now he knows what victory is all about. So let me ask you, are you ready to lose? Are you ready to give up fighting? Are you ready to surrender? Thank you for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, Bible teacher on Leading the Way. Learn more about the global ministry of Dr. Youssef and Leading the Way by visiting ltw.org. That's ltw.org.